Hello. Welcome to part two of this Breast Cancer is Boring B-side deep flap post-op audio journal experience. It's a long title. I'm probably going to shorten that. Um, It is post-op day 19, which is to say we are rounding the corner on week three, be headed into the beginning of week four in a couple of days. And I have some thoughts. Thought number one, my mobility in the first two weeks changed pretty rapidly and drastically. I was started out by being bent over at the waist, like almost to the point where I would have to use a walker to standing up almost straight. Like I kind of just looking like I had really poor posture for some weird reason. Today, it's about the same. I find myself kind of hunching more in the upper body, which it's more of that poor posture look, which is annoying to me because I've never had great posture to begin with. And I was really working on that before this surgery (laughs) and really like getting into some good um, routine with standing up straight, having my shoulders back, like exercising regularly and like building up those back muscles basically to support that and now I feel like all that is um been a little bit undone my arms I was allowed to start lifting my left arm which is on the the implant side on the left side I just had a regular old implant put in and just from two weeks of having this left arm, which I've never had limited mobility in throughout this entire process, I I have limited mobility. <laughs> I can get it over my head just fine, but I can feel the catch in my chest and in kind of my armpit area. It kind of catches, and I can tell I'm really going to have to work that out. My right arm, which is the deep flap side, I can lift to shoulder height. And just doing that um, is difficult. (laughs) If I have my arm in front of me, no problem. If I try to raise my arm along the side of my body, I can't quite get all the way to shoulder height quite yet. So there's going to be some work to do on that front. Uh, The back pain has lessened, I think, because... A lot of times when I'm sitting now, I can sit up completely straight. So that's helpful. Um, Walking around is when it gets a little bit dicey. But I have discovered just yesterday, I have this foam roller. If I put that foam roller horizontally against the wall and then pin it against the wall with my back, kind of in a, like a wall sit, I can go up and down my back with the foam roller pressing against the wall, pinned between my back and the wall, and that feels really good on my back. And it's going to give my legs a little workout too. So I'm going to start doing that multiple times a day and see if that has any effect on uh, the way that my back feels. Uh, As far as the state of affairs related to my incisions or just my body as a whole we'll start with the incisions the incisions look good 
scabs are starting to kind of fall off, <laughs> which is kind of gross. <laughs> there's there's two places a scab usually decides to break free. Um, in the shower, when I'm really gently cleansing, just patting that area, sometimes I'll pull the washcloth away and there's a little scab on it, great. Or after the shower when I'm putting aquifer along all my incisions, sometimes one will come off on my finger. Very satisfying, very sickly satisfying in a way that scabs tend to be. There are three scabs left on my body and I know exactly where they are and I can't wait till they fall off. Two of them are under my right breast and one of them is actually on my chest. Uh, my plastic surgeon very graciously removed a mole for me on my chest that I've never been fond of and there has been a, a very large scab over that spot <laughs> ever since and it is pretty unsightly but it is today I gotta tell you it's hanging on by a thread and it is taking every ounce of self-restraint in my body not to just flick this thing off my chest but I'm not gonna because that's not the way scabs are intended to work you leave them on and when they're ready to jump ship, they'll do it on their own. Don't accelerate that process. You put yourself at risk for additional scarring and even infection. So I'm being patient, but it is difficult. My skin, because my normal routine in a shower is to shower. And then when I turn the water off, I kind of shake the water off my skin. And then I use a an oil, a body oil in the shower. And then I have a routine of putting moisturizer on my chest. And then also when I go to bed, doing that again, putting moisturizer on my chest and my hands. I've not been doing that because I have two incisions on my chest and then, you know, all down my front. And I've kind of neglected my legs entirely. Like they're getting washed like every third time I shower, <laughs> which is kind of gross, but that's just, that's just the way it is right now. And I haven't been doing that. And there are just parts of my body where the skin is just like sloughing off because it's so dry. And I don't know how much that has to do with anything that's going on except that my normal moisturizing routine has been interrupted. So I have been a lot more attentive to moisturizing the skin on my body because it is super super nasty dry. I did shave my legs today. I sat on the side of the tub and shaved them that way. That's what I recommend. Don't stand in the shower and try to do it. On week three, that's probably bad. You're just asking for it at that point. But I shaved my legs and I moisturized them and I feel pretty damn good. Um, I started keeping a daily journal. I have a journal where all my terrible, awful thoughts go. But in this journal, I've started keeping track of a very like rudimentary list of things I'm doing every day because I remember after the six weeks recovering from my mastectomy, thinking back on the previous six weeks and going, what did I even do? So I'm keeping a journal so I can remember how I'm spending my time because it, the days are long, but the weeks are incredibly short. So keeping kind of a running list of what you're doing, th like rudimentary things like had breakfast, showered, uh, homework, like crossword puzzle, like 
all, I just list them out because I almost couldn't believe I had spent all that time and I was like, what, what have I, what was I doing? Or don't keep a journal and absolutely waste your time because it's very rare that you get the chance to do that in your life just weeks on end of no one expecting anything from you and wanting to do everything for you. So take advantage, you know, don't be like me. There's something wrong with me. Uh, and not helping with that is I'm not sleeping very well. Sleeping is not a pleasant activity for my body right now. I have to sleep at this weird angle where I'm propped up a little bit on my head and shoulders and then I have to have a pillow underneath my knees and I just can't tell you how annoying that is now. That position is uncomfortable. The skin, because I checked this out the other day because my tailbone was hurting and so I checked out the skin over my tailbone and it is irritated. I think I am developing a slight pressure injury <laughs> under my tailbone <laughs> because of how I have to sleep at this angle and it's kind of loading all the weight in that area where your skin is pretty thin and like I have a large ass but the tailbone kind of gets through there and so I am I am being very careful to kind of offload that part of my body. So when I'm sitting, I'm trying not to sit on my tailbone, sitting up properly so that I'm actually on my butt cheeks and, or your sits bones, I guess they call them in yoga. They like find your sits bones. And I'm like, I can't my ass, but trying to find my sits bones and not load my coccyx with all my weight basically. But I can't sleep on my side yet and that is just how I sleep. I would sleep on my face, like on my front. I used, that's how I used to sleep, just completely stomach down and then my head turned to the side, just barely, like one nostril maybe. I just slept on my face. Uh, and so sleeping on my back is difficult and I don't know when I'll be able to sleep on my side, but I think it's not gonna be for another week or so. So not getting a whole lot of sleep right now. Anyway, I'm gonna go on with my day, which so far has consisted of breakfast, shower, shaving my legs, which is a big to-do nowadays, washing the sheets, sitting down to talk to you all, and now I'm going to do a few hours of homework I'm in my last week of this nursing statistics master's level class that is absolutely kicking my ass. I just, I don't even know how to begin. Let's, let's end on a high note. What can I tell you? Uh, my pain is largely gone. I'm still taking a leave every day, but I think that's just kind of out of habit at this point and not wanting to test the waters too much, but maybe, you know, tomorrow morning, maybe I wake up and I don't take it and we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, we'll check that out. I'm anxious, I'm looking at this breast on the right side, which is still bruised. It's, 
it's resolving and a good thing to do is take pictures. Take pictures of yourself naked in front of a big mirror. These are pictures just for you and take them once or twice a week so that you can compare because you're going to begin to feel like nothing is changing day to day. And then you start to think, am I always going to look like this? Is it always going to, is this abdominal scar always going to be this gnarly? Is this breast always going to be five different colors? And no, of course not. And it's actually resolving right before your eyes. It's just doing it so gradually, you probably don't notice. So I've been taking pictures. And when I go back to the picture from week one compared to the picture I took today, I can see that progress. So give yourself that as a way to track your progress. And then maybe potentially someday as a way to help someone else that you know conceptualize what they can expect after their surgery. Because all of this, going through all of this is so much better when we do it together and when we talk to each other and when we share our own experiences. Not because they're fact, not because they're the only experience anyone is going to have but because because it's our experience and we can rely on each other and ultimately you meet someone who's happy and looks healthy and you know that they've gone through all of this and then you start to think maybe maybe I can be that person too someday when I'm done with all of this Maybe I can wear real clothes again someday instead of a tank top with a pair of pajama pants pulled up so high on my waist <laughs> that I'm almost giving myself a front wedgie. You know, maybe someday I can put jeans on again. So I look forward to that. And I know it'll happen because I've seen women who have had this procedure done and they are wearing jeans and they look fine. They look great. So... All right, it's school time. So I'm gonna get back to work. You get back to work or play or whatever you wanna do, do whatever. All right, bye-bye. Every time I record in this closet, I hit my knee on that, uh, on the drawer of my dresser basically because of the, what do they call that, the handle. Okay. It's post-op day 22, and I am frustrated. I'm frustrated because I'm not entirely fixed and better, and my incisions aren't entirely healed and faded, and I can't stand up straight. So, never claimed that my frustration was reasonable, but there it is. I know it's unreasonable. I know... I need to put these things out of my head for at least another month. Like, don't even think about it. Give yourself time. You went through a pretty traumatic surgery for your body. <laughs> it was pretty tight. Your plastic surgeon has told you this, so calm down, man. That's me talking to me now. So, anyway, a better use of our time is I want to go through my morning shower routine. How I clean up, how I basically cleanse these incisions, how I 
just the whole damn thing. You'll catch on. Okay. So it's a whole thing too. And let me preface this by saying that, you know, in all of our history together, I've never been known to do things half-acidly. And I also like to pretend to be bougie, so there's going to be a lot of that in this. Um, so, it's a whole thing. I get up, and I will eat breakfast first. And I do recommend this, because it's funny how quickly your body deconditions, and the idea of standing for long periods of time, and like doing things you will a shower never used to be exhausting to me and it is now so just be prepared for that in case that happens to you too so lukewarm water shower I'm to the point now you know we've completed three weeks where I can stand under a running stream of water you might want to build up to that you might want to stand in there and have it shooting away from you as I've been doing previously but I just let it wash over me. Not too hot, obviously, but go with your gut on that one. I use a shea butter-based, I think it's Dove body wash. It's very, uh, I I get like a pump, a big old pump thing from Target. Very reasonable. And I've been using it for years, and I love it. So I use that. I have used... A washcloth that's really soft, but now I've gone back to what I usually use, which is this, um, uh, it's like a, oh God, I don't, how do I even describe this thing? It's like a washcloth and a Brillo pad made a baby. Okay. You know, those loofahs you get at the store and they're all like wadded up. It's like loofah material but it's shaped like a long face towel. So I tend to fold it, and then it suds up really nice. And it is pretty exfoliating. So, and what I've noticed is my skin is so dry because I've stopped exfoliating it and using a lot of the same routine that I would do and my skin was all, you know, closed and there were no uh, incisions on it. So... I've kind of, now I'm integrating my usual routine into this modified routine so I can take care of these incisions. So I'm using the loofah washcloth, however you want to characterize that. And when I'm going over my nice, closed, non-surgified skin, I'm scrubbing like I would normally do. And then when I go over incisions, I am not even exactly dragging it, just patting And maybe a little bit of like a rotation, just a little clockwise, something, something. No back and forth scrubby action, nothing like that. Real gentle. And part of that is to make sure that all of the aquifer that I have lacquered these incisions with comes off completely. And then part of that is just to catch any of those little scabs that are ready to release. Just kind of gently showing them the way, but certainly not, it's very gentle, that's all I can say. So I do that. Today I actually shaved my legs for the first time standing up in the shower. It was exhilarating, not gonna lie. So I'm all done, and today for the first time as well, 
I started using my body oil again. So what I do is I shower, I turn the water off. While I'm in the shower still, I kind of, you know, shake off as much excess water as I can. And then I have a a pump in there that I put body oil into. And I pump one pump in my hand and rub them together. And then I kind of put it on like lotion over the top half of my body. And then another pump uh, to do both legs. I did that today. I was careful to, again, avoid going over incisions, although I don't think if I did, the oil would hurt anything at this point. These incisions are closed. They've got some scabs. They've got some parts that the most outer layer of the dermis is not completely approximated, but the incision is closed. There is no conduit to sub-Q tissue. So I did that oil. And then I get out and I towel off. I don't scrub with this towel again. I lightly pat my skin dry. And then I put that towel on a chair that I have in the bathroom now because, again, I get exhausted just doing this. And also my back will start to hurt because of the position that I have to be in because I can't stand up straight. And this is like a higher um, chair because it's for our, our kitchen where there's like a bar stools for a countertop. Um, and it has a back on it, which I think is important. So I put my towel over that chair and I sit on that chair naked and then begins the parade of moisturizers and ointments. There are four in this routine. And I just, this is like a good point to also remind you that I'm doing nothing. I've got... Uh, you know, this master's degree I'm doing online. So I've got some homework to do during the day. I've got this, which, hey, super enjoyable for me anyway. I've got arbitrary chores that I've given myself. I've got writing I like to do. I've got reading I like to do. I've got shows I want to watch. But but in in, in a true sense of like things I have to do every day, it's, it's a pretty lax schedule at this point, you know. I'm recovering from surgery, and you will be too. So spend your time where it's going to be most advantageous for you to do so. And I think your body is your focus for the day. So concentrate on your body and do what needs to be done. Not saying all this needs to be done, I'm just saying. (laughs) For me, it needs to be done. All right, lotion number one is my tub of La Mer, the body cream. Look, this stuff is about a dollar an ounce, and I buy the 300-ounce tub once a year. So that's pretty easy math, and I know some people are judging me right now, and not going to argue with you, because you're right. So I take, it's a tub, so my hands are the cleanest at this point that they're going to be. So I dip in and I take a good amount and I put it, I just stack it on the back of my hand and then I close that tub up. I do not double dip into tubs of moisturizer. Don't do it. So I use the back of my hand and I take what I need and then rub it into my palms and I do my chest first and then my torso and then whatever's left, I do my arms. I will go around incisions for the most part. When 
the dermal layer, when the topmost layer of my incisions are really well approximated, I will probably start going over them with the La Mer moisturizer. But for now, I'm not going to do that. I'm just, I'm hesitant to do that essentially. Um, the exception is my port scar because that is completely closed. And then this, um, I had a mole removed on my chest and that scab has, oh, thank God, fallen off. Um, so that's moisturizer number one. Moisturizer number two is for my legs. And yes, I've already put oil everywhere, but the thing about body oil is body oil is very moisturizing, but it's even more moisturizing if you put something on top to kind of like seal it in, in a way. Um, that's the theory anyway. So the second moisturizer is a Kiehl's product, and it's the Kiehl's Creme de Corpse moisturizer. I get the big bo- big pump bottle of it. And that big pump bottle is probably, oh God, uh, 200 mils, and it's like 30 bucks, which, hey, I get it. 30 bucks is still a lot to spend on moisturizer for a lot of people, but I'll just say in general... Based on my history, I have always prioritized buying nice things for my skin. I only get one skin, and I'm going to treat it really, really well. So, uh, also, I don't have kids, so just putting that out there. Spend your money where it needs to be spent. Uh, There's also great, you know, Cetaphil is a great moisturizer. You can get at Target for like six bucks, big old tub. I mean... Do what you like. Do what you can. Anyway, this is what I can do, so I do. I use the creme de corpse on my legs. One pump each leg. Then (laughs) I have a... a, We're moving from moisturizers to, like, uh, ointments is really what I would call these. And the ointments are thicker, and they don't really absorb. They kind of just stay on your skin and keep it, my favorite word, moist. So the first one of these is... uh, Walida Skin Food or Welida Skin Food. I don't know how to say it, but it's W-E-L-E-D-A. This stuff is not that expensive either, and it's been around for a very long time, and it's just good, good stuff. For now, I just use this as an additional layer over my chest area because I want the scars on my chest especially to heal really prettily. Prettily? Mm. Sure. Yeah, I want them to look nice. So I'm going to use everything in my arsenal. This stuff is like, it's thick. It's, um, it's only, it feels like it's petroleum based, but it's not. There's no petroleum in it. So it's almost like a Vaseline feeling, but again, no petroleum in it. Then we take a hard turn and this may surprise you, but the rest of the routine is aquifer. Aquifer is 41% petrolatum, which is petroleum. And then the second, the next ingredient is mineral oil, which is the cheapest kind of oil you can put on your body. And in fact, I wouldn't put mineral oil or petroleum anywhere else on my body. But for some reason, and I've, I've Google researched this, and just in my own experience, aquifer, it just can't be beat. There is something to the occlusive power of nasty petroleum and mineral oil 
keeping everything moist that really encourages healing of very specific things like scars, using the aquifer on that, on incisions, on any abrasion or um, the JP sites. It just keeps it occlusive. It stays lacquered up all day. Again, it doesn't absorb like a nice moisturizer should sink into your skin. And that's a that's a great thing. And over time, that's going to be the best thing for your skin, for your nice intact skin. But for an incision, you want something that's just going to be occlusive, essentially. So there are probably nicer products out there that are equivalent to aquifer, but I'm using so much of this stuff that I'm actually not willing to use anything more expensive, oddly enough. So what I do with this is I put two, it comes in a big, well, it comes in a lot of different ways, but I bought, I bought the big tube. So keep hitting this thing. So I will put, I'm like demonstrating this as though you can see me right now. I don't, who's that for? I don't know. I'll put two strips on the back of my hand because again, it's important that your fingers, as they're kind of swiping over these scars and over your skin, are not then coming in contact with a tube or going into a tub because you're just contaminating things and you're increasing your chances of getting a nasty skin infection later on. So keeping things super clean, keeping your hands super clean, usually involves placing all the aquifer you're going to need on the back of your hand, on in a, in a dish, I don't, whatever you like to use. Um, but the back of my hand works pretty well for most things like this. And then I just start putting it on every incision, every scrape, everything. And I'm very meticulous about it, and I make sure everything is covered, and I'm not sloppy with it. I don't, like, slap it on there. I'm, like, I kind of work it into the skin. I make sure the edges are smooth, like... I'm pretty meticulous about it. This is why this takes a million years. Um, and that is basically the end. Then I can change any band-aids I have for like JP sites. I probably change the band-aids and leave band-aids on longer than I need to. But until I see that skin completely closed up, I keep a JP site covered. Um, your, your surgeon will tell you how long they want you to do that and how often they want you to change those dressings. And also, at this point, good time to remind you that kind of um, crowdsourcing some of these recommendations is a good idea. Your surgeon, obviously, should be the number one source of your bodily maintenance post-op. And then, after getting all the instructions from them that they're going to give you, you can start listening to other people and see what's worked for them. Um, you may want to wait. A couple of months before taking my advice because we don't know how this is going to look down the road. And I had a whole system when I had radiation and it didn't really seem to prevent that from going really poorly. Again, maybe see how this works out for me before, you know, writing it down and planning on using it. And also check with other people. And also do what you want because it's your body. So... After I'm all lacquered up, this is like 50 minutes later, I put on a tank top. Whatever comes into contact with your incisions in the aquifer, 
that fabric's going to get aquifer all over it. Great thing about aquifer is it washes out nicely. And these tank tops I use are black. But I like the tank top to cover the incision so that when I put pants on, the pants I can wear several days in a row, whereas the tank top is a daily. you got to change that out daily. Whatever's coming into contact with your incisions needs to be fresh daily. I think that's that at least is pretty sound advice. You can take that to the bank. But don't go to the bank right now. We're not allowed out of doors. So... That is about it as far as taking care of my incisions. I don't know how much to stretch or how little to stretch. I don't know like when I'm pushing it, when I'm not pushing it as far as um, disrupting the scar healing versus really making daily progress towards standing up straight. But I have an appointment with my plastic surgeon over Skype on Monday which is in a few days, and so I will ask that specific question and see if I can get any real tangible advice on that, which doubtless I will be able to. But this is where I'm at. Showers are a big deal. They're a daily event in my life, and I think it's time well spent. Or at least we shall see. So check in with you later. Bye. Alrighty, it is Monday, which for me doesn't really mean anything because, you know, I'm not working right now. Um, But for a lot of other people, I guess it doesn't mean that much either because there's a lot of remote working going on right now. And I think that is just the way that it should be more often all the time. But for me... Big things happening this morning. Had to get up to an alarm, which I haven't had to do for a while because I had a 9 a.m. FaceTime appointment with my plastic surgery provider, who is awesome. So I got up and I did slap on some makeup and did my hairs as much as they will be did at this point. They are in a state of, oh God, my hair is just exploding out of my head. Uh, in these curls that I don't dislike, don't get me wrong, but these curls are taking over my head. They're getting quite bold. Uh, They have a mind of their own. Two more weeks of this, and I think they might try and run for president. They're just, they're getting to be a lot. I'm like, calm down, guys. Calm down. Anyway, FaceTime with my provider, and I have some answers. Uh, I wanted to know that everything still looks good. Everything still looks good. I was particularly worried because yesterday when I was after my shower and every, it's really hard to very closely investigate these incisions under my breasts every day and not want to kind of manage some of the scabs or the you know, the dermabond or the adhesive that they use to close the incision, that eventually peels off, like a Steri-Strip would peel off. And you don't want to accelerate that peeling off. Um, And so sometimes my solution for that is don't look too closely at it for a couple days. Just leave it alone. Like, just leave it alone. Let it do its thing. But 
I felt like we were getting to the point I haven't really looked that closely in a couple of days. So I got my little mirror out and looked under there. And what I noticed was some of the adhesive had peeled away and was getting kind of bunched up around a scab that I suspected wasn't actually attached to skin, but was attached to the Dermabond, the adhesive itself. So what I did is I grabbed a Q-tip between... And I held it between two fingers. And the reason I did that is because you can't get too much torque with a Q-tip and two fingers. So the amount of pressure I was going to be putting on the area would be pretty limited. So, and I just kind of gradually started kind of running the Q-tip along that area. And things started to easily move out of the way. And things includes this big bloody scab that's been there for quite some time but then moved suddenly which is why I suspected it wasn't actually fulfilling its function as a scab and it was now just an obstruction and so the dermabond which when it peels away it's like I mean it's like any glue that dries and then peels away it's a little bit stretchy especially when it's wet um, and it's thin and it's like really good glue so it's not gonna flake off you know it's gonna kind of come off and hang there and if it does that and it does that has done that on my incisions I would just trim it like I would sterilize little scissors in my nail kit and just trim whatever had pulled away so that it doesn't get caught on anything and like pull the rest off but this time again q-tip I moved things out of the way turns out that dermabond was ready to come off and underneath in a couple of areas, the skin looked kind of boggy. So essentially what I think was happening is when I was showering, moisture was getting underneath of there. And that scab and dermabond that was ready to come off but was being held there, probably by all of the ointments I was slacking on there every day, um, which is not a bad thing to do. It's a good thing to do. So essentially, I think moisture and, and stuff got trapped under there. So I took care of that, and I especially wanted her to look at that area today. She says it looks great. She's not worried about that at all. All the incisions look fantastic. I will add here that I am getting very comfortable taking my top off on FaceTime. Not sure that that's going to have any long-standing implications for my life, but I'm just saying... It's like, dial up, hey, how are you? Good morning, how's it going? Boom, here are my boobs, take a look. So, uh, that's just the thing that I never really thought would be a part of my life. Much like implants. Much like, well, cancer for that matter. But, you know, these are a little bit more fun things that I never imagined. Um, everything's looking good. My two main questions today were... When the hell can I start sleeping on my side? God damn it, I'm tired. And to um, how much should I be stretching this area? How much is too much? Am I not working hard enough? Do I need to leave well enough alone? So the first one, in two days, so today's Monday. On Wednesday, I'm four weeks out. At four weeks out, you can start sleeping on your side. Now, did I try sleeping on my side last night? Yes, I did. Uh, I slept on the implant side because I convinced myself that was at least better than breaking the rules on my deep flap side. 
Um, don't know the implications for my torso at that point, but you know, at 2 a.m. when you haven't slept yet, you, you start to bargain with yourself in all kinds of ways. I had pillows propped up everywhere between my knees all the way up, you know, my torso so I wouldn't roll forward. I had a pillow behind me so I wouldn't roll back, a pillow under my head, pillow under my feet. If you think you have enough pillows in your life to recover from a deep flap surgery, I assure you, you do not. You need more pillows. I don't know how many you have, but it's not enough. Trust. So I did fall asleep. I fell asleep so hard and I dreamt and it was glorious. And when I woke up and tried to move, it was difficult. (laughs) I was sore and I had gotten myself into a position that was not easy to get out of without feeling like I was straining something I shouldn't. So I'm not still sore today. So that is good. But for the rest of the night, I went back to sleeping on my back, propped up again by multiple pillows under the knees, behind the back, behind the head. Um, And that was fine. I fell asleep again. and, And that was good. But getting like 30 minutes to an hour of sleep at a time is not the same as I just miss I miss that good good sleep that sleep where you would hit the pillow and you know eight hours later you wake up a puddle of drool at the side of your mouth you know half the pillow is wet from drooling on it all night because you were so so deep asleep I miss that and maybe that's never going to happen again between the body alterations and the hot flashes I don't know that that is in my immediate future but I just that was that was good times just remembering that uh so Wednesday I can start sleeping on my side without feeling like I am um an escaped convict uh, let's see. Oh, the second thing, how much to stretch the torso. Areas that are kind of contracted at the moment. My chest. So like collarbone even, uh, because I think in hunching over at the waist, I am also bringing my shoulders in unnecessarily. So that I can just stretch. I can just you know, as much without getting too much of like the breast meat in it, if you know what I mean. Um, then all the way from between my breasts down to my pubic area is tight. It's just tight. Um, when I'm sitting, the area around my abdominal incision isn't as tight as when I'm standing, obviously. Um, but when I'm sitting, sometimes I'm stretching out that area where uh, your natural waist is between the natural waist and the bottom of the breasts. And then when I'm standing, more of the burden is around my scar. Now I'm careful, my scar. <laughs> I wish it were a scar. At this point, it's it's half incision, half scar, but you know what I mean. Um, I know enough not to stretch the incision, but as for the rest of that area, everything around it, I don't know how much to stretch. So when I asked my provider about this, she said, look, you're four weeks out. You shouldn't be stretching anything. You should just, whatever your body will naturally let you do with 
the least, you know, amount of resistance, uh, go ahead and do that. Your body will naturally move into a more upright position because that's what it wants to do. Then around six weeks post-op, you can start to intentionally, very gently be more straight up and down. Work on your posture. Do exercises similar to how you would ease into, well, so this is, that's the end of what she said. And then I usually add my own thing at the end, but it is to me similar to how you begin to get more flexible when you start uh, yoga. Like when I started doing yoga and just touching my toes was (laughs) something that took me a few classes And then, you know, you see people like doing the splits. So maybe, you know, it's going to take some time before you get flexible enough for all that. So just take it little by little and don't injure yourself. So I am, I have been uh, relieved from any feeling like I'm not working hard enough at this. Uh, She said, I'm absolutely working hard enough. And I don't need to worry about stretching and it's going to take at least eight weeks for me to get straight up and down because of how tight I was. So, and I shouldn't feel defeated by that. After that, I went on a walk with my husband, not alone, which I recommend you go with someone if you can. Uh, the first time you're going to go on a longer walk out of doors. And it was lovely. We walked down to the river. And there were hardly anybody out there. Because it was also kind of raining a little bit. um, Which was great. It just felt really good. I haven't gone outside in almost four weeks. Outside of uh, going to my oncologist. And then going to get blood transfused. So... It was really nice, Uh, and I got tired really fast, so just realize um, everything is exhausting now for a while, so there's that. Uh, I also can feel myself kind of reconciling to the idea of having these scars, which really, really bothered me before I did. Um, I would, like, look at pictures of women, even just on my chest, right? I've got this port scar. I've got this little dot tattoo (laughs) right under my port scar um, from radiation. Uh, And I have this scar now that I'll have from a mole removal, um, which was elective, and I wanted that. Otherwise, I would have that mole there, um, which that would have been fine too, but I just, I didn't want it. So uh, I had him take it off. And I'll see pictures of women and... They have nothing. Their chest is just so smooth. And I'll be kind of jealous of that. Or you see women. It's so easy to to look at pictures, especially on Instagram, especially all their social media where you can modify pictures. But in real life, some people just look this way. You know, they don't have scars. They don't have marks on their body. And I just, I know that's not going to be me on most any part of my body. And the way that I've started to think about it is I've been through some shit and I've seen some shit and I'm not this blank 
canvas to layer gold jewelry over. I, I've been through some shit. And so that's the way that I'm going to think about it and look at it when I think and look at myself. When I see this abdominal scar, when I see this belly button that is not mine, is new, is artificially made. When I see these breasts that also I wasn't born with and the scars underneath of them, uh, I am going to think to myself, yeah, yeah, this, this is just evidence that I've been through some shit. Remember that shit? Yeah, that was some shit. And this is what's left behind. And I'm not really interested in the alternative either. Because I'm not going to waste my time disliking my body or any part of my body anymore. I think that's wasted time and wasted energy. And I think we're all uh, a little too important for that at this point in our lives. So I'm going to take great care of this body. And I'm going to probably spend a lot of money on ointments and lotions and potions and lasers potentially someday uh, to modify whatever the hell I want about it. And that's my choice. And I will be proud of the results, whatever those are. Because I really don't have time. For anything else. Uh, yeah. So that's it. Four weeks out. Very nearly. Gonna start sleeping on my side. Gonna start taking walks outside. And I'm gonna slow my roll a little bit. In my expectations of my body. Which is working very hard to repair itself. And with that. Because I did just take a walk outside. I need to take a shower. So. I'm going to do that. And I'll check in with you all later on. Okay. See ya. Hear ya. Talk at you later. Alrighty. It is week five of this thing, this recovery from deep lap surgery, and... I am growing impatient. I've kind of had it. I've kind of hit a wall that I can't seem to get over. I don't feel like I am gaining any ground. I don't feel like I have changed at all. My body, I don't feel like, has changed at all in the last week in terms of my comfort level my flexibility in my abdominal region. I wanted to be standing upright by week four. We are in week five, approaching six weeks here, and I still can't get upright. I can get pretty close to where you would look at me and be like, well, that girl's got really bad posture, Uh, which I guess is something, but it's just not enough. And it's it's very interesting the effect it's having on my brain and mood. Let's just take a systems approach to this. So, a couple days past week five, 
let's just do a body scan here. Um, the chesticles, or my breasts as we'll refer to them, uh, are looking pretty good. I'm looking at them right now, actually. And where I, th I, I've been kind of now a little bit nitpicking, <laughs> of course, at the way everything is. The left one, the implant side, is definitely bigger. But it's pretty damn close. And there's some characteristics of the implant side, like that side looks like an implant and the right side just looks like a breast. Although, again, I gotta say, the implant is beautiful. And uh, I understand that it's brand new and that it will look different down the road, but I can't even fathom down the road right now. I have no idea what down the road looks like. Two months ago, I could have told you what that looks like, but I don't know what that looks like now. I don't know if I'm ever going to get these things out and about. I don't know if anyone is ever going to see these things outside of Zoom or FaceTime or Skype. So that's a little bit nerve-wracking. For, for someone who is an extrovert, it is very difficult to find meaning right now in the absence of people, in the absence of getting real-time reactions to the things that I'm saying, which is really kind of just like my entire life, my entire life's work. But anyway, we were talking about my body, not the existential crisis that's creeping up on me. And probably many of you, steadily. Uh, God, just a lot, of, a lot of time to think. <laughs> it gets a little hairy up there when there's space uh, to look around. Um, anyway, scars are looking well. Any scabs, any remnants of dermabond are gone. Those little clear um, sutures that are meant to be under your skin but that inevitably do poke out of your skin that I was feeling for a while those are, are disappearing little by little so they must be getting absorbed and then the part that's outside my body must be just falling off randomly like hairs falling out of your head um, this abdominal incision I was worried because when you first look at it the skin from the top part doesn't match up completely with the skin from the bottom part. So it's like if you had two books stacked, but they weren't quite aligned correctly, and one, the bottom book kind of juts out a little bit farther than the top book, that's kind of the situation I had going in certain areas of this pretty expansive, long abdominal scar that I have, albeit thin. However, now, looking at it, I can see that the skin's really coming together, and it's flattening out. It's, it's all going to be flush with the rest of my skin. By the way, I am so regular. I've never been this regular in my life. I am pooping like a champ, like every day. That feels great. And I wonder how much of it is eating at home and everything being home cooked and that generally probably being better for you than eating out. But then also I think maybe I'm just not so hurried and I'm not ignoring what my body needs. 
So there's that too. Those are the things that are going well. However, the things that are still a struggle are I can't fucking stand up straight and I can't tell you what a mind fuck this is because it is really starting to get to me in a weird way. Like 95% of my brain knows that I will stand up straight again and have good posture as good as I've ever had, which is decent, not great. But there's this like 5% of my brain that is trying to push me toward acceptance of a new normal that I don't like. And that new normal is, this is just the way that my body is shaped now. I just, I'll never stand up straight again. And that freaks me the hell out. And I refuse. And clearly, that's not going to be the case. And if you talk to enough women, they probably all feel this way. And yes, most people are standing up straight by now. And do I feel like mm, there's something wrong with me that I'm not? Yes. Do I feel like some kind of underachiever, some kind of like lazy person who's like not doing the work? Yes. But again, I have to remember my follow-up and what my surgeon has told me, and that is that she does not expect me to be upright anytime soon. <laughs> like, she thinks it's going to take at least eight weeks, and we're on week four, uh, five, and I wanted to be upright by four, so I thought we'd meet in the middle and I'd be upright by six, but that's days away now. And I just don't know that that's going to happen. And when I ask about intentionally stretching, I'm told not to until after week six. And then I can. But I just got to tell you, again, what a mindfuck this is. I get up in the morning, and the more I move around, the more upright I can be. And yesterday, I was probably the most upright that I'll ever be during any day right now. Because I had to get up and get ready and then go to the clinic. It was a lot of sitting though still. But I'll get I'll 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 go on a walk. I will get pretty pretty upright again. Like it's still a struggle and it still is not upright. But then I'll sit to write a paper for school or do this and I'll be sitting for maybe an hour two if I'm not paying attention and I get up and it's like starting from zero again just sitting even sitting up straight which I'm trying to do shoulders back straight back you know that whole thing it's just not the same and you get up and it's like Jesus Christ like why why is it so many it's like one step forward 15 steps back to a landing you didn't know was there and then you fall backwards down a flight of stairs that's what it feels like so I'm just working through that I feel like there's I feel this weird weight underneath my skin in my torso in the front here I don't know why does it feel like I'm smuggling an encyclopedia Britannica under my skin why does it feel that way 
what is going on in here? I mean, I, I know there's a lot of edema in there, and I've been told that that can last for three to six months, but there's just this weight, and it, the weight, it's almost as if the weight pulls me forward, as well as the fact that my skin just can't stretch out. And I thought that the stretching sensation would come from my incision alone. I thought that the incision would be the place where I would feel it, but I feel it from my sternum all the way to my pelvis. That entire area of skin is, and and, and tissue underneath, is just tight as hell. And it's funny because that is all I've ever wanted. <laughs> Was for the front of me to look tight as hell. And I work out a good amount, and that just was never going to happen. I just, sometimes I just think, like, you are the shape you are. And I always had a little belly on me, and that was never going to go away. And there are very few moments in my life where I was fine with that. Such wasted time, man. Wasted time thinking about that area of my body being so aware of it. Always my eye going to my stomach every time I'd put on an outfit or try something on or even think about buying an outfit for myself. I always thought about how's my stomach gonna look in this? Is it gonna look flatter or is it gonna kind of show for what it is? That's, it's funny because now that that's gone and I know that I'm not upright, and I know there are a lot of other reasons why I'm really tentative about my body at the moment, but right now I would take it back in a heartbeat. And I would love it. <laughs> and I wouldn't be embarrassed to have fat there because that's just where my fat is. Don't have a lot of it, but that's where it is. There in my hips and my ass, and why is that a bad thing? Why do I think that's a bad thing? I don't think anybody else thinks about this. No one else is sitting around thinking about how my stomach looks in an outfit. So, eh, just like a lot of wasted time. Okay. I don't know why. I have to have a hot flash right now, but that that's just what's happening. So, the sound of a uh, fake silk bathrobe fluttering in the wind is me trying to cool myself down in my closet while I'm recording this. So in two days, it will be eight weeks from surgery, which means in two days plus one day, which is three days, <laughs> ooh, I will go back to work body situation. I I am still expecting more than what I have. Um, just a full body scan. We can go down from head to toe. Um, chest area. I did have to go in physically last week to have a 
suture removed out of my port scar because it was kind of poking through and it was the clear sutures that belong underneath the tissue to dissolve and it was causing irritation and they were very worried that the irritation would make the scar in that area more prominent. So they had me come in and they took care of that for me and honestly I was glad to go in and have them actually look at things uh, in person because they hadn't seen them since uh, a week after my surgery. Um, the port scar looks the same, but there's no port underneath, and that's my favorite thing. Um, there's still, and I'm looking down at it now, but there's still bruising. There's still a hematoma under there. It's just going to take a while. This area where they took the mole off on my chest looks way better, like way better than it did. Uh, and that scab fell off, and there was kind of that divot there all of that has pretty much filled in with skin it's almost completely flush I think it's barely going to be noticeable which is pretty amazing considering where it started um the boob situation here's the deal here's here's the here's the problem with a unilateral mastectomy right uh it's not going to look exactly there's it's not going to match exactly and that's fine and we're not done yet but the real issue here is I have got just this beautiful breast on the left hand side. Like, I wish I, you could see it and then it wouldn't be weird that I was showing it to you, which will never not be the case. But it just, it's so lovely. I don't know. I'm obsessed. And then on the right side, my poor, my poor, poor right-sided boob, which used to be the big one, you know? She used to be the star of the show. And now she's been reduced to, I would say, a full cup size smaller than the left one. Uh, bruised still. Different colors. We're, we're moving on to like more of like a predominantly mustard colored bruise. And then the purple, red, grayish bruising is more to the side. And there's a couple hematomas we're still struggling with. But hey, they might be adding bulk to the boob at this point. So I'm not going to complain about that. Um... In terms of boob feel, I would say that I've got way more movement in the uh, implant side and the deep side, which should over time soften and release a little bit, is just very solid. Not solid like the tissue expander, not at all. But there are times where I feel like it still has kind of the shape of the tissue expander, even though it's softer and so much more comfortable to sleep on. <laughs> Not directly on, but like just I, I, my hand reflexively goes to my right breast when I like lean over the sink or to stabilize it when I switch positions in bed and I don't need to do that anymore. It doesn't hurt like that, it doesn't pull on my skin. I can tell it's going to be much better. It's just going to take a while to heal. And then someday when we do fat grafting, it's going to get sized up to match this left side, which is just, again, I can't even tell you. Implant technology, I mean, look into it. It is, I had no idea. I had no idea. Uh, just, I'm really, really happy with it. Funny thing, though. I don't know if that's going to pick up or not, but my boob squeaks. 
there's this. You're supposed to massage it, right? You get in implants, apparently, and then you're supposed to massage them for a couple weeks. I didn't for like the first month. Uh, and then I went for my follow-up visit and I was like, hey, should I be doing anything special with this implant side, the totally normal side? And they were like, yeah, you can massage it. When I massage it back and forth, I can hear like the plastic squeaking in there. I don't know if it's squeaking against itself or like what, but it uh, it cracks me up. It's hilarious um, to have a squeaky boob. <laughs> I don't like. Ah. <laughs> uh. You got to take the funnies wherever you can get them at this point. Um, anyway, that's doing fine. The incision underneath my right breast, the deep side, did develop like this sore along the incision where it just kind of went rounded and got kind of red. Um, and I don't know why that happened. I couldn't find a stitch that was doing it. It just did. So... I went back to putting Vasotracin on it for about a week, and it's largely resolved. There's like a little bit of like a kind of scab over it that I feel like is going to fall off at some point, but it's not red and angry looking anymore. That caused me some anxiety, let me tell you, because of course my first thought was I can't get an infection. <laughs> I can't lose this boob, um, but I didn't, so that was good. Further down, the belly button looking pretty good. It also got an area of like soreness on it. And again, I don't know if that was from any friction from wearing anything, which I would assume not because all I've been wearing are very loose fitting, casual pajama like clothing, which is probably what a lot of us are wearing right now. Uh, and then, but it's fine. Bacitracin, it's all good. It looks like a belly button. It's actually pretty remarkable work. Now, the ring around it is still red. And, I mean, dark pink. Let's say dark pink. And the abdominal incision is still very much dark pink. I started massaging the scar, which is something my plastic surgery team told me to do. It doesn't really hurt. It hurts a little bit. Um, but I think between the decreased sensation in that area right now and just the amount of pain I've been through baseline, it's, it's not painful. It doesn't hurt. But I do massage it, and I find that that's helped a lot, too, with the, the look of it in, in a very subtle way. It has helped. I didn't realize how much the scar was bothering me until... I got these silicone, um, they're called scar away silicone patches and they're like long, they look like long, really thin bandages essentially. They're flesh toned if you're a white person, uh, which is a problem that we have is only making flesh tones in band-aids or any kind of dressings for white people. Anyway. I got those, um, they're silicone, and you put them over your scar and they help to minimize the appearance of it. Just by, I think, keeping the silicone against the scar. And you can wash them and reuse them. They're kind of like those um, nipple covers, if you've ever had those, where they're, you, they're like pasties, but 
they so you don't have to wear a bra, but you won't nip out, and you can wash them and reuse them. They're sticky that way. The, the, the bandages are kind of like that. But I covered this abdominal scar with those bandages and looked in the mirror, and the scar was essentially covered up. It was gone, and there was flesh tone there instead, and I suddenly just... My body looked so different without that scar there. It was interesting. Like the way that I felt when I saw that. And I did, I guess I didn't realize how much the scar was really bothering me. And it still bothers me. And I know that this. I keep saying this, like, this is a transition body. This isn't my permanent body, but it will be there. And it it's going to be obvious to me. And it'll be easy to cover up, and it'll be easy to hide away. But it's going to be there. And I just was surprised at how much that affects me. I shouldn't be. It's still very new, so why wouldn't it affect me? But I guess I thought I was a little bit farther past it than I actually am. So, or maybe I was, and now I'm back to being bothered by it again. Maybe that's how this works. But anyway, treating my scars... I am now doing this essentially the same thing I've been doing. Dove body wash with just a little bit of like an oil body wash added to it. Then a body oil, then moisturizing lotion. And then I got a silicone um, lotion. Like you can get Mederma is one, although... It's an onion peel-based scar treatment, which is interesting, and I haven't really looked into that too much. But I got any silicone-based lotion is going to be what likely what your plastic surgeon recommends. Go with whatever they recommend. Don't go with what I recommend. I don't know. This is my first time doing this, and... I am not an expert, so don't just do what I do. Do whatever your plastic surgeon wants you to do, and then get any other information you want to get, and then make your own decisions. But I did get the silicone moisturizer that my plastic surgeon's office sells. I didn't buy it from them. They gave me a sample of it, and I just I liked it. It seemed like it was going to work. I knew that they were in favor of it because they sell it there, so I bought it on Amazon, I think. So I've been using that and that during the day and then I've been putting the patches on at night to sleep in. That's what I've been doing for the scars. It will take months to see if there's any improvement, essentially. So I'm just holding on to that. Physically, I'm standing up straight. It is not comfortable. It is a stretch. It is a stretch that I mostly feel way low in my pubic region. (laughs) 
um, not like in the vaginal region, just in that like, I guess pelvic areas maybe of more, basically where your hair grows, if you've got hair there. And about that, um, so my hairline for my pubic hair is a lot higher than it used to be <laughs> because that area I can only imagine got pulled up just as the area underneath my breasts and all the way to my belly button got pulled down. So I am actually, because it bothers me, it, it is like right up to the scar, essentially. Um, so I've been kind of shaving that area for the first time like myself because I can't go anywhere to get it taken care of and it just bothers me so I've been taking care of that myself um, with much trepidation because again I've you know I'm I know it sounds like I'm high maintenance a lot but with some things I just kind of let it ride my eyebrows there's maybe three hairs on this eye and two hairs on this other one that I pluck and I just let the rest of it go because for the most part, my hair growth in general is quite manageable with very little landscaping necessary. The same is true for my pubic hair. How we got to talking about my pubic, pubic hair, I have no idea, but here we are and we're staying here for a minute. So if you want to jump ship, I understand, but we're going there. So I've never really had to monitor my own borders too much. Like a couple times when I went on a beach vacation, I went and got things kind of, you know, trimmed up. Brought in, brought in the, the margins so that we wouldn't have any exposure incidents, you know. But I think what I'm going to have to do is either have from now on a regular waxing appointment or laser hair removal. And don't think for a second I'm not going to try to convince insurance to pay for that. So, the things that are in my future. So fun. Um, anyway, I'm standing up straight. It's tense. In the pelvic region, and also in like between and just below my breasts, that area, like front rib cage, narrow in the front. It just very stretchy. I thought the scar would be the stretching point. It isn't really, not really. Um, it still feels like I'm smuggling an encyclopedia under my skin, uh, but I think the book's getting a little bit smaller by the day. For the last two weeks, I've been working out every day. I've maybe missed two days in the last two weeks. And when I say working out, what I mean is it's me on a yoga mat in my bedroom with an app. Look, I'm starting from scratch. This body is weird. I'm having to modify. I, but I'm doing my best. What do I want to say here? This is shit. This is just... This is bullshit. I shouldn't have had 
to get cancer, to get one single breast that looks fantastic, that looks like something you paid for. I shouldn't have had to go through all of this. And then my one consolation prize is, you know, I'm going to have a, at least one tit that looks amazing in and out of clothes. And then hopefully, probably someday after subsequent procedures, another breast that will look close, you know. And I guess, I don't know if I just didn't go through the anger phase before or if we're looping back around in our grief cycle, but I'm, I'm getting mad again. I'm getting mad now that I think now that the fear has subsided and the scariest part of this whole thing is behind me. Chemo was scary. Radiation was fucking terrifying at the end there. And this surgery for sure was, I mean, very nearly ended my ability to function on a daily basis. And I think ultimately made me really sick physically. Um, that's the level of anxiety we were dealing with. I think now that the fear from all that stuff is gone, I'm fully embracing just how angry I am that this whole thing happened and my inability to understand why it happened and to find some kind of fucking meaning in it so that I can come to some resolution so that I can just end this so that I can stop having to wonder why this happened and the reason it's so important for me to understand why this happened is because I don't want it to happen again and if I don't know why it happened the first time I can't even begin to take steps to do things to help me even feel like it won't happen again. I'm working out in my home, which is something I've never had the discipline to do. I have needed the pressure of signing up for a class, the financial pressure of having to pay for it in addition to a membership. If I don't show up, the peer pressure of knowing that there's an instructor looking at a computer screen with my name on it. And if I don't show up, they'll know it. I've needed all those things in the past to work out. And now I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in my room by myself in all the weirdness and turn on an app and work out and actually do it. And I'm doing it every day. And I think it's because I think that's going to help. I think that's going to improve my chances of this not happening again. And statistically and scientifically, that may be true, but cosmically and in reality, in the reality that I live in, it didn't help the first time around. So I don't know what else to do, you know?
I just selfishly want people to ask me and to focus on what I'm going through so that I can talk it out and normalize it and have all those conversations with all those people so that I don't walk around wondering when that's going to happen and when I'm going to be caught off guard with those kinds of questions. Because I don't want to talk about it and I don't want it to be a defining characteristic in my life and I do want to talk about it and it is absolutely the defining event of my adult life so far. You know? It's kind of a big fucking deal. I just, I'm not quite sure how to handle it. And I don't know how to stop feeling disappointed in the way that my body looks. On a level that I've never experienced before. Because before, my disappointment centered around things that were modifiable, you know? Ah, I, I, I want to lose three pounds. Ah, I need to gain a few pounds. I I wish my legs were less jiggly. What's all this extra skin on my arms? It, it was just stuff like that. I have a completely different torso. My profile looks completely different. My belly button isn't mine. <laughs> My pubic hair spans the entirety of the front of my underwear, which is just a new experience for me. My breasts are uneven in shape and projection and size and the way that they feel in color. <laughs> um, I know that some of this will resolve and that some of this is still modifiable and, but you know what? I don't care. I don't care that I know that because it just, I don't feel that right now. I don't feel that. I, I'm in this body and it's been okay because everything is weird and so my body being weird is fine but the thing is I'm going to go back to work on Thursday and I'm going to even though it will be slightly different I will see the same people and I will have to put on real clothes and I will have to see my new body in my old clothes and I haven't had to do that yet really and I'm not sure what that's gonna do to me. And I'm not sure how to answer people's questions about how I'm doing and how I'm feeling and how I like my new boobs because I like one of them a lot. <laughs> and I'm grateful to have the other one still, and I think 
it's the best possible result we could have gotten. But I just put my body through a lot to get this thing that I'm not completely happy with yet. And I don't know how to package that in a way that is easy to convey to others who are just, you know, essentially wanting to hear that I'm so happy to have new boobs and a flat stomach. Because it, it sounds weird to complain about those things that are culturally, supposedly, universally desirable. Certainly not in this fashion. I don't think anyone envies my tactic for getting them, but I just don't know how to have these conversations and I don't want to have them and I don't want to be emotional and I just, part of me doesn't want to go back to a place where everybody knows what I've been through. Part of me wants to run away to a place where nobody knows me and they don't know to ask those questions. They're not, they don't feel compelled to ask them because they don't know me and they don't care about me that much. <laughs> and so I don't have to explain and I can feel a great, a greater level of anonymity and privacy, even though doing this that I'm doing right now and talking about it and then putting it out there for the world is like the opposite. But again, I don't, I'm not going to not talk about this because I needed someone to talk about this when I went through it. And I deserved to have that. And the people coming after me, they deserve to have it too. And also, I need it. I need this. I need to talk about this. And I don't know where else to, to put it. And if I put it here, all of you who come here to listen to it, you know what you're in for. Is it's right there. And you know what you're getting, and I don't have to watch you and watch your face while you listen and see the, the pity and the sympathy and maybe some ambivalence and, uh, I mean, at least, hopefully like a little tinge of disgust for some people. I don't want to be universally liked. Ugh. Boring. But that being said, it doesn't make it a completely painless process for me.
this just seems like a good time to go to bed. I think we're all just feeling a little raw right now. There's, there's just a lot going on, you know? I would say right now, my deepest regret in life is that I've already watched Game of Thrones. Because this would have just been the best time to get into it. So, word to the wise, if you're out there and you're stuck in your home, nowhere to go, and you haven't watched Game of Thrones, whatever it costs, it's worth it. So, do it. Maybe I should just rewatch Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah. Okie dokie. I'm going to go read a, a uh, Bronte novel that I'm currently in the middle of, and I will chat at you later. Okay. You're going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine because, you know, what's the alternative? So just fuck it and put your big girl panties on and pull them up over your hairline, which is now much higher than it used to be, and get your fucking business taken care of. But just go to sleep first. I'm going to bed. Good night. Good night.